Windshield time again. I'm going to actually hire a professional singer-songwriter to do that. I'm going to get Molly Brown to do it. Molly Brown doesn't know this, but I'm going to tell her today that I need her to do my opening song. Just because it's that awesome. Then i got to figure out how to play it. I guess I could just keep the file set aside. But Any hoozle, happy Tuesday. Tuesday, the 2nd of April. Didn't do it yesterday for obvious reasons. You know, April Fool's and all. Didn't want to give anybody any news and false hope. My favorite thing seen yesterday on the internet was uh, April 1st, the only day that people raise a certain level of skepticism with what they see on the internet. You got us, Mr. Poignant Guy. Good times. Month two of uh, leaving my gig and getting up and running with the new gig. Had some relative success the last couple weeks, so can't complain. I'm fortunate the reality of it is is that I have uh, a wife that owns a bar that is uh, business has been doing really well. Just opened up for the season. Thankfully, we got a break in the weather, and that's been good. Little little financial relief doesn't suck at all. We live pretty simplistically, so I don't really worry that much about it. For the most part, I mean. I can always go back to put Pepsi on the shelf, laying asphalt or something. Uh, never never afraid to go back. It would suck. I wouldn't enjoy it, but, you know, it is what it is. Wouldn't be the worst thing that ever happened. Um, good times, man. I was uh, I was on the phone. My buddy Todd from Jackson, Mississippi sent me, sent me a message the other day. and It's always the most open-ended. <laughs> Todd and I spin off into the most, a lot of random directions in our conversations. It's just our relationship. But Ty goes, uh, hey, man, not sure how you feel about guns. I'm like, all right, man. Rule of thumb. Most of the time when you're you're uh, you're messaging with or a conversation with a guy from uh, a southern state and he starts a conversation like that, there's, there's a handful of directions it could go. But um, Ty was just following up saying he's got a 22 rifle that uh, – he, he was asking to see how I felt about guns and whether I was planning on teaching my kids about them. Because uh, he, he had this 22 rifle that he wasn't using that was really good that he just had sitting around most of the time. Um, and Nesson just offered, said, hey, man, I can have it. I'm like, no, nah, man, just keep it. Let me bring the kid down. There's more places, a few more places down there that he knows that we go shooting. But I definitely want to teach my daughter about, and my sons, about uh, firearms. I don't have one in my house. Nor do I feel like I need one in my house. I'm fortunate I live in a neighborhood that's good enough where I don't have to worry about it. Which is most neighborhoods. I mean, statistically, most neighborhoods are safer. You don't need a firearm. Especially in the United States, most neighborhoods, let me preface that. Most neighborhoods in the United States are statistically, the chances of you needing a firearm for a break, a B&E as the kids call it, a breaking and entering, uh, is pretty slim. Uh, it's usually pretty random stuff, unless you live in a handful of very high crime neighborhoods. So that's why I don't I don't have a need for a firearm. I grew up with guns. Everybody I everybody I grew up with around not everybody. A good bit of them had guns in the back dash, or people would go hunting before school and all that. I just never had a necessity for it. As Wayne Wayne's World says, when he gets a gun rack, he does his own off gun, so doesn't understand why he needs off gun rack. It's kind of been me. Um, but it, we spun off in this whole conversation about um, 
I had a uh, a 22 rifle single shot growing up, and my grandpa Ed gave me that uh, the barrel was crooked. I mean, it was it, and I had a 22 revolver. I I had these in my bedroom when 10, 11 years old. Uh, yeah, unaccounted for. I could go buy shells at Walmart anytime I wanted to, and and fire these guns. And I had them in my bedroom. Never issue. Um, but um, it got me to thinking about like my grandfather. Uh, this spun off in another story uh, that I was thinking about was that my grandfather gave me these guns, uh, and the rifle had his initials scratched into the butt of it. EDMC, and then his phone number, uh, four six uh, six six seven four uh, four three five one was his phone number. Uh, and the reason why it had it scratched in there was because when I was in like the fourth grade, I remember getting off the school bus, our uh, his house had been broken into and they stole like TV and a ton of guns and and stuff like that. And uh, which I need to call my Uncle Jimmy see if he knew who actually were the people that broke into this house. Because um, it's a small community. I just never heard who it was. But it was pretty ballsy because he lived up a dead-end driveway. And they did it in the middle of the day. But uh, from that point on, anything of value over like $10. Well, even less than that, my grandfather scratched his name into. Like wrenches, his washer and dryer, uh, guns. I mean, anything of value... Uh, had his initials, EDMC, uh, 667-4351. Uh, I got 4351. Because my grandmother's, maybe my grandmother's a 4351. Or was it 2514? 2514 was his, sorry. Get y'all confused. They've all since changed their numbers or moved. Uh, my grandmother, McKee, had to change hers from 4351. Because the uh, people calling wanting their credit card, her uh, bank, bank account statement number. Um, but uh, it was funny to me that now I look back that my grandfather had his initial scratch on everything. He's afraid people stealing this stuff or he could identify it. But I guess that's pretty good commitment. You never plan on selling anything, you're just going to scratch your initials into it. Or how many people own stuff that have his initials? Like, I don't know who the hell this was. Uh, kind of a trip but we got to talk Todd and I were talking about guns he has like that 22 and then he has a a 20 gauge um, shotgun long rifle but he said his grandfather used to um, to kill hogs on the farm with which got me to thinking about when we were growing up uh, we we killed and processed all of our own animals to put it lightly and um uh, that's about the only way you can put it. Yeah, we killed all of our own animals and ate them. Uh, so chickens and uh, the pigs and the cows and all that. I just got to think of, I mean, Todd and I were talking about how at that age, uh, at a younger age, like single digits, it's just commonplace to see animals dispatched and processed in food you know, have that connection. It wasn't like any big major mission that my family or my parents, it was just like more like that was the least path, path of least resistance. It wasn't that big of a commonplace to go to the grocery store and get stuff wrapped in cellophane 
I mean, we did that from time to time, but most of our meat and stuff came from animals that we either raised ourselves or killed from, uh, we got from relatives or something like that. Split a hog or a cow or something like that. Which is kind of interesting because I, uh, as being a father, the more I raise my kids, the more I look around. Like, I, you know, I keep thinking back to that, uh, that video from like the 1900s of New York of, you know, just people walking around the street and you see kids like five, six, seven years old just walking around on their own figuring it out, you know, how to get on the, the uh, subway cars or uh, trolley cars and being able to make it to school and go get food and all this. And then I see, God, I wish I could, I think it was Al Jazeera Network um, has a documentary series and I watched a good bit of it. There was about, there was this special about this short documentary about this girl that her parents sent her in Africa that sent her away from home at age six to go into the next biggest town is like a hundred or some odd miles away. She's from a village. Um, to go into town at six and work for like two years, just like figure it out. And uh, she had done it twice in this last time cover when she was like eight to 10. So they put her on a bus no one, she doesn't know anyone. She goes into town, find, figures out a place to sleep, and then what she works doing is just going to the market, and when women are shopping, they will pay her to carry their shit home on her head, in her hands, at like 6, 8, and 10. And there's a ton of girls that do it. It's not just her. And sometimes they pay her, sometimes they don't. And... She tries to live off as little as she can and save up as much money as possible and go back home once a year to visit the family and bring home money because they're very, very poor to, to get to her family. And they follow her back home and she's like 10, eight or, like eight or 10. And she's just ecstatic to see her, uh, her family. She's got like five or six other siblings that live in this hut. She's ecstatic to see her family, and her dad comes out, and they get to talking, and he's just, the time she gets home and gets settled, he's wanting her to go back because he thinks she didn't bring home enough money. I don't know what that amount of money was. It's just a, it's just a weird juxtaposition of thinking of how insular most Americans are with their children just a short time frame from the way that people, the things that kids were exposed to at a very, very early age. All this to say of like, that girl in Africa that is going hundreds of miles away and just figuring it out at six, eight, ten years old is the same exact species, same exact DNA as my children. Started out as a little bitty baby and then got put in, and then is in that position and figured it out. And I'm not saying I'm going to ship my kids off to like to, to work on a fishing boat or anything like that, but you have to wonder about what does it look like if your kid is in that position when they're younger than what they, uh, I mean, to have a mix, you know, to have some guidance, but also know that... I mean, like I was saying earlier about money, I don't, like, growing up, man, everybody worked. It's nothing below me to work. I don't give a shit. I mean, I'll flip burgers or whatever it takes. And that's why 
like making this job change wasn't that big of a risk. I mean, most people, you would look at it like, well, comfortable job and your kids and your family. Like, why? So I can keep in this neutral vein to keep my kids and everybody extremely comfortable where they don't ever have to worry about moving houses because job change or just change of economic climate or something like that. That's, that's, that's like crazy to think of, to me to think about that, you know? I mean, I think that this, this whole part right now of, um, this whole part right now of, uh, of figuring it out and the nuts and bolts of what's next is a little bit of financial insert, uncertainty or this or that. It's still fun to me. It's enjoyable. The uncomfortable, the uncertain part of it. It's like, I talk about it all the time. It's like, I mean, search the video. It's uh, on YouTube about Alan Watts, If God Got Bored. And it's all about just being human and, and putting yourself in a position to just understand that you only can control so much shit in life. And that was the, uh, how I got in this part of this conversation. But it's like, there's only so much stuff you can control. And that's the fun part about it, man. I mean, I think about all the people that work, got a comfortable job and worked at it for 40 years and had a comfortable retirement and all that. And it's like, were you that happy about the comfortable part of it? Because the uncomfortability is where you get the good shit, man. I mean, nothing was ever designed, created, discovered because somebody was uncomfortable. Because somebody was comfortable. No one's ever had a comfortable living and, and said they wanted to change the world. That's why it's before I left my my job at Yazoo, our owner Lana said, "Well, man, you know, you've already put in your notice here. You know, you're gone. Is there any feedback? You can be as candid as you possibly want because you know you're going to be leaving." And I'm like, there's, there's nothing that I need to say now that I couldn't have said when I worked, when I was employed here. But, you know, one of the main things that I observed there, and it's a million-dollar question, is how do you go from being a young, hungry company and the dynamic there and how everybody is always overlapping each other and helping each other and supporting each other to when you grow to a company of a certain size that you... Uh, you know, you kind of lose some of that because it creates a layer of comfortability when people have all the other perks and stuff that they, they, a certain generation of employees and a certain generation of people never knew that they didn't have. They just, they showed up one day and it was there. They never had to worry about not having all the proper equipment. That was the best part about growing up working construction in hindsight in Arkansas is that we never had proper equipment. We never had shit that the brakes all worked. We never had shit that had seat belts or that worked. We never wore hard hats. Rarely wore safety vests, not unless it was a 100% requirement. Uh, I mean, just stuff like you just made it work. You figured it out. I mean, and there's a lot of times shit got really hairy. A lot of times. Remember, I was 14, um, and my I was with my dad in a Mack dump truck, and we were coming down this uh, in South... Let's see, southwest Arkansas, uh, south of Mena, is, or uh, southwest Arkansas, there's a town called Mena, and you may see it from that uh, American, uh, it's a movie with Tom Cruise in it where he plays Barry Seals, this pilot that was shepherding all these drugs, uh, guns and drugs back and forth in South America. But he has this little town called Mena, outside this town called Mena is the uh, Tahlequah Mountain Range, and they say it is the tallest hills in the world. Because there's a ton of 
of hills that are like a foot or two short of being classified a mountain. So it's just rolling hills. And the roads through there are just like rolling hills too. Bunch of steep inclines, windy shit, every direction you can go. I remember in the like 14 years old, I uh, was uh, uh, rolling. We were coming down this mountain. We had a backhoe. No, we had a roller uh, on the back of a trailer behind the dump truck. God, this Casey Musgrave song is so good. Yeah, it's Casey Musgrave's song "Rainbow." Oh, make us get call it so good. But um, we're gosh, damn, it's a good song. Rarely I ever hear new music that I'm just like, damn, that's good. Everything she's ever put out's been amazing. Um, but we're coming down this mountain in a dump truck, this hill, and I remember my dad looking over and going, "Hey, you need to grab that door handle and be ready to jump if I uh, when I tell you to jump." as we're just barreling down this hill because he was driving this Mack dump truck that didn't have good brakes and he was going from a higher gear to a lower gear and that would have slowed the truck down but if he it, it's it's called a synchronized transmission for you can shift from gear to gear without using a clutch and people that are good at it are really good at it and know their vehicles and it's very easy to do you can actually do it in a normal vehicle now too you just have to be really good at it and know the feel of the vehicle but all this to say, uh, he was going from a higher gear to a lower gear, so the gears in the transmission would slow the vehicle down without having to use the brake. And uh, he's like, if I can't get this into gear, you're going to have to jump because, in essence, we're in a runaway vehicle that had no brakes. And I remember 14 being scared shitless that I'm going to have to bail out because on his side, the driver's side, is off the side of a mountain. On my side, I'm jumping straight into a rock wall on the other side of the mountain into the mountain but all prevailed it was good we were good uh it was able to get it in gear but it was a little hairy there for a little bit but all that i wouldn't trade any of that man i mean in retrospect i guess it's that point of facing enough adversity to where it doesn't just seem brutal and you don't end up hating people because of it i guess that's the balance You need this in your life. Been cherry picking uh, music lately of stuff that, like, all Casey stuff is phenomenal, even from her first album. Uh, but been listening to a good bit of that. I'll get off my rant about your kids facing adversity and doing some shit. Oh man, I guess it's just a, you know, the comfortability aspect. As I never want to be too comfortable. It just I, I don't I don't think I, I I don't I just feel worthless when I'm too comfortable. You know, it's you know job change. You know, need to give up the company phone. I'm rolling around with a 
older iPhone with a jacked up screen with a princess case on it. It's okay. It's all right, man. I don't need the iPhone X. I don't, I don't, there's very little that I see that I'm missing on that because this iPhone, even with the butted screen and two generations ago, is still better than any Razor flip phone I ever had. Yeah, try to go a week flipping, go back to your Razor flip phone. Yeah, good luck, bro. I would go back to a BlackBerry just because I like texting and flying through emails. But other than that, I probably would hate that after a week, too. I mean, shit's, I mean, even reading it through this busted-ass screen, it's still better than any flip phone I ever had. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's just that that's the, that's the fun stuff, man. The job change, the life change. Some shit you can call it, and some shit it just calls you, man. There's nothing you can do about it. And it's like... It, my wife and I had this discussion because she's been head, butting heads with somebody in a business situation. And I'm like, look, man, people, there's certain people with a mindset of just, I can never catch a break. Oh, just always something happening. You know what to say? Murphy's Law. Yes, it's not Murphy's Law, stupid. It's called life. Tires eventually run out. They get holes in them. There's, look how many construction sites are there are. How many nails have ever been produced in the world? It's a shit ton. It's amazing you don't run over more. That's going to happen. You know? It's just... It's just... Oh, I can't catch a break. Why does everything just keep happening to me? Well, it ha- the same level of shit happens to everybody. No, not everybody gets brain cancer. Not everybody gets a certain... Yeah, some people have a lot shittier luck compacted into a short shittier of a time, and that sucks. But for the most part, most people have the same amount spread out and they just deal with it. Everybody has a reason why they can't get up and put their shit on and go to work and do a good job or go out of their house and treat people well. Everybody. Because we've all worked... Sorry if you're listening, your name's Sheila. But we've all worked around the Sheilas or the fucking... Or the Randys of the world that just suck the life out of every room they've ever been in. And... I just don't want to be that because I know those people. They physically make me angry. I just can't. I don't want to punch them in the face or anything. I just don't want to deal with them. Lady next to me talking. Hey, hey, girl. Who who are you texting this morning at 7.53? They just got to know about it. Uh, but, yeah, man, it's just, it's just going to happen. Stuff's going to happen. It's always going to happen. That's why I, we drive like, older vehicles already paid for. It broke down. Really? Didn't see that coming from a 10-year-plus vehicle? You get pissed if it's like a 2-year-old vehicle. 10-year-old vehicle? Meh. Expected that to happen. Yeah, you're surprised. When you drive a 10-year-old-plus vehicle, you're happy every day that shit doesn't happen. Like, dodged a bullet today. Transmission didn't fall out. They don't actually fall out. But you get what I'm saying. It's just good. It's good, man. Rolling through... uh, area called Mount Juliet and they're just rolling by this uh, landscaping place where this dude's got a like f- like eight flagpoles out front and half of them are American flags other half are Confederate flags out in front of his mulch people mulch place and it, it, is, it still boggles my mind the people that take a hard line and very sensitive issues like that when it, when it involves business whether you're left right you know uh, you know, it's just business is hard enough. And he's like, yeah, he's probably his probably mindset is like, well, business has been good. People come out and support me. 
Yes, but how many people have probably driven by going, ah, that guy's probably racist? He's probably not racist in, in all things considered, but they don't want really to give you the benefit of the doubt, and that's their that's their prerogative also. Just like how many people – he doesn't have an idea of how many people have driven by and never stopped or didn't want to have anything to do with his business because of his hardcore stance about having Confederate flags out front. I mean – it, it just, the, the whole thing still just boggles my mind, but that's just my thought process on business when it comes to it. It's the same way I feel about the John Riches of the world and people like that, that like hardcore right-wingers or anybody. I mean, what, what, that or if you're hardcore left, I don't give a shit. They just want to alienate people before they even get to your front door. But I'm rambling in a rambly ramble kind of way today. So um, that's all I got. I'll let y'all go get your week started. Sorry, it's taking a week to get back to this. I'll get better. My, uh, ironically, my uh, my episode about plane crashes and other good stuff has been one of my most downloaded or most listened to episodes. So I hope the positivity vibe is ringing true with people. That's about all I got, man. I don't have bad days. Um, I'm never in a bad mood. Shit happens. Yeah. Do I get unhappy at times? Yes. But I let it screw up my whole day. No. Just, man. 96-year-old grandma philosophy. Did you open your fridge? Was there food in there and the light came on? If both of those things happen, you're a lot better place than most people. Never forget that, man. Shit's good. That's all I got. Y'all have a good rest.